Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from, put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry, be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Anyone, if you followed us over from Danger Explosion, you may be familiar with our Danger Explosion format. This is kind of a spin-off sister podcast for Danger Explosion where we're going to focus on horror movies. We thought that would be an interesting thing to go back and watch horror movies. All of the horror movies that have ever been made, we're going to watch them all. And we figured the, the new thing that Brent and I could bring to them is, you know, lots of people analyze horror movies, they talk about horror movies, but but we're going to tell you how they could be better. Right, Brent, do, yeah. you have, do you have anything to add? Any thoughts on that? Well, the early, if we're talking about the early horror movies, there's probably a lot that could be done to make them better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I think we have to watch these with a grain of salt. So the first episode... Yeah. Um, we're kind of looking at, at the, the earliest horror movies. This episode is going to be about horror movies from 1896 to, what's the last one, 1913. So we're spanning, what, about 15, 17 years in there. Yeah. Will, will you, do you think you can like um, just post like links as well in case someone – because these are all free videos on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. So before this podcast comes out – so in our future, ladies and gentlemen, but in your past, I will have posted links to Facebook and Twitter to where you can you can find links to these movies and go follow along. And the earliest ones are like a minute or two to three minutes when they first started figuring out film yeah. in, in 1896, you know, to 1900. And then as we get closer into, you know, further into the 1900s, they start to get a little bit longer, 10, 12, 15 minutes. I think the last movie we're going to yeah. talk about is almost half an hour, you know. So, anyway, we just thought it'd be, uh, yeah, interesting, a fun thing to do, something to give our, our podcast a little bit of focus and a, and a fun project, you know? Yeah. And I know that as I've been uh, kind of digging in and researching this stuff, I feel like I've learned a lot about uh, not just horror films, but especially this first episode, just film in general, you know? Mm. And just kind of the, the beginnings well, of the beginnings of the film industry. So yeah, I guess without further ado, we'll just kind of jump into it. Um, I, I figured to start, you know, when people started making movies in the in the late 1800s, the early 1900s, a lot of these guys were stage magicians. And oh, really? Yeah, so they, they came from a background of like, 
you know, doing these illusions and, and fooling the audience and that kind of, and then this new technology came along where they were like, Ooh, that's, that's the best illusion possible. You know, we can just project stuff right up there where people can see it. Yeah. So yeah, early on, yeah, early on, it seems like, it, like the, the best thing they could think of was like making something disappear. Right. Thin air. <laughs> and a lot of it's like, like almost like a, the vaudeville gag of like, you go to sit down in a chair and it just disappears and you fall. Right. And then, like, like, is it okay to talk about the first movie? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, okay. Yeah, so Sorry, the first, first the first episode, movie, The House of the Devil. Format. What's that? Yeah, The House of the Devil. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty terrible little movie, <laughs> but you got to think of it like, it's okay, wait, let me preface it like this. This scared the shit out of people. Yeah. Think about that. Like, at one, at one point in time, in, in 1896, this was so flipping scary. And the way they, the way they, it seemed like the way they solved this was like they just things could just disappear or be conjured out of thin air. Right. And it must have just blew people's minds. They must have loved it. Right. That was crazy. Yeah, and I tried to put myself in a position of somebody who's like never seen a movie before, you know, and all of a sudden like they can project this like moving image up on a screen, you know, and and yeah, that kind of trick photography you were talking about. It seems kind of, and you know, it reminded me of TikTok. A lot because a lot of the the special effects they had are similar to like the, you know, the cuts they'll do on TikTok. Exactly. And, and even a lot of those guy early guys making movies would just kind of copy each other and do like versions of each other's movies. Uh, so I like the early era of film reminds me a lot of of what's going on with TikTok right now, actually. Yeah. Um, oh no 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 no. <laughs> oh no! That's the song that everyone plays. Yeah, but instead of that, it was just like some guy on the piano, like. Oh, fun fact, fun fact, my man. Mm-hmm. My wife Kara, her great grandmother, flipping did that. Oh, really? She was a piano player for silent movies. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really I awesome. Love that. I know. I know nothing more than that. There's <laughs> not much of a story there, but yeah, that's still pretty cool. I thought. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's one thing we'll talk about. Some of these had interesting. You know, because a lot of these films were just silent. They didn't have soundtracks or sounds or anything. And they might have had... I don't know if they had music they would recommend to be played on piano. But so... Right. So a lot of the ones we saw... A lot of these videos we watched on YouTube... is just music that has been added. You know? And and some of it kind of has... Yeah, there was even... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I think, you, I think you glitched for a minute. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, there's one that's... I forget which one it is now. Oh, darn it. But it seemed almost like... I was like, was this made in the 60s? It was like 60s sounding piano music or, or like psychedelic music. I think I know. I've got it in my notes here somewhere. I think we'll, I think we'll talk about that when we get there. I think I know which yeah. one you're talking about. Yeah. But that, it, it reminds me of like, like a psychedelic period of time mm-hmm. almost where they were just like fooling people's brains and like twisting people's imaginations, you know? Right. And all the medicine really- they were on was just like morphine or like lithium in a bottle so people were like going to the pharmacist and like getting all fucked up for their for like their earache or whatever and then they go watch these wild movies you know yeah well i've been watching um some youtube videos about a guy his 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 hobby is he collects old mres like from the military oh yeah yeah and he opens them up and you see what's in them and he eats the shit too (laughs) i mean it, I mean, um, 
World War II biscuits. He was eating them, and they looked they looked perfect. That's wild. Is it? Is it? I don't know if it's a different guy. My son's really into this guy called the Crazy Russian Hacker. Is it the same guy? No, but I think that guy. I I do like the Crazy Russian Hacker, and I could probably find the the person who did. It. But anyway, yeah. But that guy, I think, had an MRE once. I yeah. think I, I think I saw a link to his video off of this one that I saw. But it's very fascinating. Like he even had pulled out cigarettes, mm -hmm. and he smoked a cigarette from World World War Two. Right. That is wild. Yeah, to see how they packaged stuff back then. Oh, but I said that to say this. Excuse me. I'm, oh. I apologize. He had um, he opened up one, and there was a place where there was supposed to be morphine. Oh, really? It was an old medical kit, and it, was, it had been long, uh, I'm sure, taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody long ago got at that morphine. Yeah. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah, <laughs> wild. yeah I'll, I'll send you a link for that. It's pretty cool. Okay. Anyway. Sorry. Nice. Yeah. So just just so our listeners know, this is kind of a new format for us. We we kind of picture it as we'll watch a, a horror movie and talk about it for about an hour or so. Um, this episode may be a little longer because we're looking we're going over uh, fifteen short yeah. films, silent films, and even though they're a minute to maybe fifteen twenty minutes a piece, that's still you know for an hour long show it's going to be like four minutes talking about each movie. So it, this this episode may run a little bit long, but that's okay. Um, and you should be able to edit some stuff out, like the MRE thing. I don't know. I I think that shit's fascinating. Looking looking up yeah, those opening it old is. MREs. Yeah. But uh, but so to, to talk about that House of the Devil, um, yeah. that that was a guy, and I thought it might be good to start off talking about this guy, uh, Georges uh, Méliès. Uh, my French accent isn't the best, so I, I may be butchering that. But. That Melies is is one of the earliest, and a lot of these films we're going to talk about are were directed by him. Um, and we've got some other people in here too, but I think he's generally considered like one of the earliest true filmmakers, especially of special effects. That was his thing was really like creating new special effects and perfecting those. Um, but if you've ever seen uh, listeners, if you've ever seen a trip to the moon from 1902 it's a pretty iconic image of them the moon where like the rocket shoots into its eye right you know you know you know what visual i'm talking about yeah i think what could remind people is um the smashing pumpkin song oh right uh, yeah about tonight, the yeah. song tonight tonight or whatever mm -hmm. there's like references to that where they like kind of recreated it yeah something smashing into like the moon's face exactly yeah, yeah so that was this guy that was george uh Melies. and so he was cool. generally considered I think that was probably one of the first science fiction movies. He also did a lot of this horror we're talking about. Um, but so he was he was the third son of wealthy bootmakers, right? So and just like okay. a lot of these guys, he was a theater guy, a stage magician. And at one point he purchased the, uh, the theater Robert Houdin. That was his thing. Um, so when he went to what's generally considered the birth of, of cinema is a couple guys known as the Lumiere brothers in 1895. They premiered their new invention, the cinematograph, 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 however you pronounce that. Um, and so they had a, a showing uh, where they projected a movie on December 28, 1895, uh, generally considered the first movie shown to an audience. And everybody like wanted to buy it, including this Melies guy. He was there and he was like, I'll give you all my money. I'll give you my house. I'll give you my wife. Like, I don't I'll, whatever for this movie, you know, the ability to like film um, and so they said, no, they turned everyone away. They wouldn't sell their shit. Um, so he got a projector from a guy named Robert, uh, Robert W. Paul, I think was a British guy. Um, 
So this was just a projector to show movies, but he took the shit apart and reverse engineered it to into a camera. So so he created his own cameras for a couple years, uh, referred to them as the coffee grinder, the machine gun, because they were so loud. Um, and by... But by 1897, just a couple years later, there were better cameras that were commercially available. So he kind of ditched his shit and purchased like commercially available cameras. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. And, and he, he, you know, it's it's been said that he kind of the uh, the cut, uh, you know, the cut from one scene to another. He kind of discovered by accident because he was filming a uh, a scene on a Parisian street, and he was like cranking his camera because i guess at that time you had to crank the camera to get to keep the film going through to keep uh filming and i guess it stopped something was wrong with it so he like pulled the crank out banged on the camera got it fixed stuck the crank back in and started filming again and when he went to watch the video later uh he said that like since it stopped filming there was a gap and then it started filming again uh in the in the meantime men had turned to women children turned into horses and it looked like a worker bus turned into a, a hearse because one minute it was there and then he stopped filming and then he started recording again and shit had all changed. So he was like, Oh my God, it's like magic, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I, I think those are all my notes on that guy. He, I, I just thought it was pretty interesting to go into the background of that guy. He ended up, uh, he worked with this one actress a lot. Uh, Jehan, uh, Delarcy, I think is her name. Um, and she was actually his longtime mistress and they ended up getting married uh, later after his wife died in, in 1913. Um, yeah, so just a little background on George Méliès. And even and, and his shit was so popular, especially A Trip to the Moon, that Thomas Edison, that old money-grubbing scoundrel, uh, he, was, he was getting illegal copies of A Trip to the Moon, and he was showing them and charging money and making, making money off of Méliès' A Trip to the Moon here in america so huh who would even know <laughs> right yeah <laughs> it's not like you could like look up on the internet like what movies is thomas edison showing right now yeah. what a good hustle man yeah that's a shame too <laughs> yeah and well and thomas edison he'll pop back up a, a, a little bit but uh george Melies, he 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 lived uh 1861 to 1938 and he okay. so by 1917 he was kind of done making movies he was having financial struggles uh he was selling candy and toys in railway terminals in the 1920s and then uh in the late 1920s like 1929 uh he was tracked down by journalists and filmmakers who were like yo you're the best like we love your shit you inspired us you know and he was like oh cool i'm like i'm glad people appreciated my shit um and he was eventually uh by 1931 in french he was made a knight of the Legion of Honor. So I guess he was kind of, it's like their version of being knighted. So, cool. so yeah, he was, he was recognized for the shit that he did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So those are my notes on George Melies. Any thoughts on that? Well, like on, on him or the movie on all of it. I mean, he, like he lived a pretty baller life, like son of like a boot of a boot salesman. <laughs> right. Boot maker. Yeah. In the time to harness a craft, you know, which is something people didn't have. He, like, for instance, like, because of his wealth, his family's wealth, he was able to, like, spend time creating something nice and artsy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Developing that muscle. Anyway, this, 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 this house of the devil, like, it's pretty wild. <laughs> Again, like I said, there's lots of just, like, things disappearing and reappearing, and there's, like, 
this like impish character who's like hunched over and short. And I thought it'd be funny if like, like he almost reminded me of like a chimpanzee. Like they, I just think they should have like casted like a chimp to do that. <laughs> to like stab people in the ass with a pitchfork. <laughs> I know. It's like, it, it, oh God, what's it like? What's it like? You almost want, you don't want the piano music. You want like the horn music from like, um, <laughs> like the Benny Hill, the Benny Hill music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing about a lot of these, like, <laughs> well, in a lot of these early horror films, like, yeah, the line between horror and comedy was so thin, you know. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. They're, 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 yeah, exactly. Because they're coming off of these like weird plays that they were performing live. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. If you haven't seen any, any of these movies, it just looks like a camera's kind of set up in front of a, a stage for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's def- that's definitely the case. Yeah, it looks like the camera's in the spot of the audience and there's not, it doesn't move around a lot. It's, yeah, just kind of standing there. And that, yeah, I think that's something that was developed later were, were, you know, camera movements and different camera shots. Yeah, because if you think about it, like that's like their only context for like that kind of entertainment. So like, I, I, I was frustrated a few times watching these videos thinking like, oh, like it would be so easy just to like put the camera close and like, to like the monster right in front of the lens mm-hmm. like that would scare shit out of me <laughs> yeah right. think about that you know they just did that but i thought maybe they would look too but either look too fake or they would be like executed or something because <laughs> the director would be executed because it'd be too scary or demonic you know <laughs> yeah yeah what i think it's 1896 right? <laughs> 1896 yeah. yeah that's the house of the devil and i think they yeah. could you know they probably could like cut to a close-up or something but i think it took them a while to think of it like that and you know i think these cameras were so big and bulky they were just stationary so i think for quite a while like moving the camera wasn't an option you know you had to you you could move stuff closer to the camera but right and that's probably effing up your um you know you fucking like your t- your you're turning a, a crank or whatever. Mm. So to like move a camera along with someone is probably really hard. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm just surprised they didn't think of it sooner. <laughs> or like think of a way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, the, the close up would just be so jarring in a movie theater back then. I, I, I kind of wanted to think about that and, and see that happen, but it didn't happen. Yeah. But that's okay. Well, in some that's of these, okay. some of these movies later on, they do have a couple close ups and, Again, it's somewhere in my notes, but one of these guys that did these movies is credited as creating the uh, the dolly shot, where you kind of have a track and you do move the camera along a track. And okay, I can't remember where it is, but yeah, it's some, I think it was an Italian film. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah, that that came much later. Maybe I think at least ten years later, when yeah. you know when they were like okay. using a dolly and moving cameras around and stuff. Yeah. Um, All right. But cool. So yeah, House of the Devil. So. I like that. The uh, so your head cannon, the the little imp guy should have been an actual monkey. Um, you know, I think I think it could be. I think they need to get some. What's that? Benny Hill music. Benny Hill music. Yeah, I think they need to get some CGI in there, man. You know, get a get a fucking bat swooping around, turning into to the to the little imp and making a woman come out of a cauldron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then she, and then she turned into a ghost. Oh, one thing I liked about that movie was like, so the guy like creates a little goblin. He like creates yeah. a, a witch or no, pulls a woman out of a cauldron 
It looks like he yes. creates her. And then these the two heroes show up, and they just kind of get one guy runs off immediately, and then all the monsters and witches are just like fucking with the other dude. And then the, his friend comes back for like two seconds, sees this scary shit, and immediately dives off the balcony. <laughs> he like he just like jumps. <laughs> yeah. He's like fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, funny that yeah. cauldron is fake as hell too oh yeah just... <laughs> well, and, and, and and like you said you can definitely see the theater background like it's all you know theater yeah. staging theater props all that kind of stuff yeah you know. it doesn't look like a house I keep like I don't see a house when I see this stage I see a, a street uh-huh. like it looks like a city street to me I can see that yeah it's all brick and yeah it's all brick Oh, yeah, I'm kind of watching it as we're talking as well. And the imp guy, like, stabbed the dude with, like, a... Is it a pitchfork if there's two prongs? I don't even know what that is, but he stabbed him right in the butt. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's a different word for it if there's only two prongs, but... <laughs> so I think another wild thing about this era is that... Is, like, all the movies that were lost... I read something that said, like... 80 to 90 percent of silent films that were made have been lost so like as i was researching this stuff i came across like a lot of movies they were like we know this movie exists because especially like that melies guy he had a catalog of like every movie listed and it was like reels one through four is this movie reels five through six are this movie like so they they and a lot of the guys did that to where there's like a catalog of movies existing but but so many of them are just lost, and they're like, "Yeah, we kind of know what this movie was, but we nobody has a copy of it. It's just lost to time." Yeah, you know? and and probably weather weathering and yeah, and just, I bet it was hard to keep stuff like just um, I'm just safe. Yeah, well, and that shit's as, and especially the early film, whatever they were using, is like super flammable, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, a lot of it, but it it is interesting. Um, that like a lot of these movies will be uncovered from private collections. Like when an old dude dies, his kids will be going through his stuff and be like, Oh, we found, you know, this movie we thought was lost for 80 years. Like he just had in his fucking vault somewhere, you know, <laughs> I don't think they know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, no, that's the thing. They, they're like, find... this Melanese guy. <laughs> well, they find these old reels and then they, they run them and no, they don't know. But other people are like, Oh shit. Yeah. That's this movie we've been looking for. Because I think, I get the impression there's like a whole subculture of people who are like really into these lost movies and like, and like into looking for them and tracking them down and trying to see like where they can find them, you know, which. That sounds really fun. Yeah, which seems, it's just like another like niche, like collection hobby that I didn't even know existed. But once you find out about it, you're like, oh, that's wildly interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like the MRE thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, okay, so let's burn through some of these other movies. I think I think we uh, we, yeah. we took a lot of time in the intro there. So what do you think about the next one? Is a pretty simple movie. It's just uh, it's Melies again. It's it's the same year, eighteen ninety six. Um, it's called A Terrible Night. What do you think about yeah. this one? This is pretty short and sweet. So like, I'm not really sure like what the care. Uh, um, let's see, the, what's that movie Annie? You know Annie about. The sun will come out. About the orf? Yeah. Okay. She gets to to Uncle Warbucks, you know? Yeah, Daddy Daddy Warbucks. Warbucks And then he's got that, like, interesting man, butler person who's, like, kind of magical. Okay. Like, is that the kind of, is that the character that's in this movie? Like, 
I, is it the same sort of like um, nationality or what is that? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what the the only I just know that this guy's he's getting attacked by a giant bed bug is kind of the whole plot. And right. he ends up putting it in his chamber pot. Yes. Uh, which is a weird thing to think about that you used to instead of a toilet you just have a pot by the side of your bed you just like you know yeah. roll to the edge of your bed and just piss off the side of your bed I guess clean oh, it out in the morning well yeah he threw the bug in his chamber pot yeah in his little in his no, little but you think that they just rolled over and peed off the side of the bed into it <laughs> they probably got up but I don't know <laughs> I, if I had a chamber what? why get out of bed if you have a chamber pot right put it under you. what's that like I've always pictured like you laid on your back in it, like you went, you put, you pushed it under your butt, <laughs> and just did it. Oh wait, and took a dump in bed like that. Pee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, why would you put it under your butt? Because <laughs> if you're a dude, then you just like lazily, because you're half asleep. The wiener is down, hanging down. Right. Okay. <laughs> I feel I like early morning. You know. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I pee. Yeah. On, I feel like I get pee on my ass. <laughs> all right well i'm I'm obviously gonna have to look up like how people went in chamber pots they probably just got up because i can't yeah. to, i mean because to be courteous to your partner like you don't want to like wake up and roll over and like you know your partner's your like taking a big shit <laughs> you're like god damn it get off the bed come on <laughs> at least like crouch on the floor or something yeah that's cool this movie's got bugs crawling all over the place. That's kind of cool. I mean, obviously they're like on strings. He's swatting at him and stuff. He's, you know, he's he's having a he's having a terrible nightmare. It's a, it's a it is literally it's a terrible a night. Terrible night. Yeah, yeah. So, and this one, there's some confusion as to whether this movie is actually a terrible night, or if it's gotten confused with a, a different film called A Midnight Episode, which apparently was similar. So. I think it's generally considered to be a terrible night, but it may also be another Melies film called A Midnight Episode. But they're not sure what what oh, the version they have, which one it is. Yeah, got it. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to uh, the Bewitched Inn. This is again Melies. It's next year, eighteen ninety seven, and um, pretty similar stuff. A lot of things disappearing, moving. It's a guy who's staying in an inn, and it's basically just haunted, and the room fucks with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So any any thoughts on this one? Again, it was like things disappearing, uh, chairs disappearing out from under him. At one point, I think he lights a candle and the candle explodes on him. <laughs> yeah. It's really odd artwork in the background. It's very cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like a soldier with a big nose and like <laughs> other weird people with like big bellies and stuff. It's It's pretty strange. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's a thing. That's a thing about Melies too. Like you could tell he was like big into set decoration because especially his later movies where he's using like matte paintings. You know where he's like got uh, glass glass screens where he's like painted the background on him and everything. You could tell it's like uh, some really in depth detail and design. And I feel like I read somewhere that that uh, Tim Burton even was like heavily influenced by Melies style of like his matte paintings and kind of the wild backgrounds he would paint for his yeah. movies. So, yeah. Cool. Um, so we've got the bewitched Inn, and then we've got, uh, a movie called the x-rays by a guy named George Albert Smith. Uh, this is that yeah. same year, 1897. Uh, this guy, he was British and, uh, 
he was he was known for developing something called cinema color or kinema color at uh and he would film that at 32 frames per second instead of 15 uh rotating some red and green filters to get some color um but uh so what did you think of the x-rays this was kind of short sweet kind of funny little movie yeah i mean it didn't really like add much other than i guess i guess the quality of the frames per second is better but but it's just it seems like it's just like the the same kind of like shtick you know things are instead of disappearing a guy with an x-ray machine comes in and x-rays them and they suddenly just become people with pajamas with skeletons on them right he just, it's a box that says x-ray wait i think it just says like x-ray machine or it just says x-rays and he takes the cap off of it and they immediately turn into skeletons like no, I, that's a horror movie it's well, and that's the thing, especially in these early movies. Like the line between horror and and comedy are, is so thin, um, but I really like that that even her umbrella became skeletal. Did you notice that? Yeah, I noticed that. It was a good yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it, what if they like? What if the X ray machine just took off a layer of clothing, <laughs> and then they had they had like boobs painted onto the pajamas, right? <laughs> That would, I think that's a different kind of movie. I don't know that it would be a horror movie. But I actually... They couldn't show like naked people, but they could paint things on pajamas. Right. Well, actually, I did read a little bit about that, too. And, and they would do like early stag films, I guess, that were really like risque at the time. Um, but Melies would... He did some of these with his mistress, uh, Jehian or whatever her name was. And yeah. there was one in particular I saw where it was... A woman like getting undressed and bathing, right? But to sim to simulate nudity, she was just in a full body stocking. So like she was still like completely covered, but it was just kind of this like plain colored uh, body stocking she was wearing. And I guess at the time that would have been pretty risque. And oh, and as she like her servant is bathing her, and I th I thought this was really interesting. Instead of water. Because it was really cold while they were filming it, and I guess it, it looks better. They were using dark sand. They were pouring over her to simulate the water. So Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um Alright. But so that's the no, you're right. they, they they got the thing where like the the um the umbrella became like a skeleton too. I, I like that. That was pretty funny, and I thought. But uh, so then, so this next movie, this brings us up to, to 1900. So we're jumping in time here a couple years. Um, and this is a guy named Edwin S. Porter. And he was working for the Edison Company. So now we're getting it. So now the Americans are coming into it. Um, Edison, Edison is hiring people to, to, uh, to, to get in on this movie business. And, uh, yeah. and this was the first of a lot of movies that we're going to go over that circle around, uh, Faust and kind of that Faustian bargain of like selling your soul to the devil. A lot of these movies have that kind of going on here. So, yeah. And my, my favorite one that we, we watch is coming up soon with the, with the Faust, the next one. Okay. Nice. Yeah. But anyway. So th yeah. this one was good. It's a quick one minute. I, I just thought it was pretty funny. Like. The, the devil comes in with the sword and wants the guy to kill the woman. And the guy's like, no, I won't do it. So then it kind of looks like, and this is silent, mind you. So it kind of looks like he taps the woman on the shoulder and like gestures at her with the knife. Basically like, can I kill you? She nods her head. Yes. And then he, <laughs> he cuts her throat. And then she and the dude switch places. As you're explaining it, 
Well, yeah. So it's so. I, and then the dude turns into a skeleton. Apparently, the devil's defeated. And then a priest appears to marry them. So there's, there's a lot going on in this one minute film. But <laughs> she just agrees to cut my head off. <laughs> yeah, she's. <laughs> yeah, she's like sure. She nods, and on my screen, the girl's like, "Of course," and she's smiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah. I don't I don't know why she's like, Yeah, sure, devil, just cut my throat. I don't care. <laughs> well, I think she's a Satanist. Oh, that's pro- <laughs> she's yeah, she's like she's like, Oh yeah, Satan daddy, cut my throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Takes off dress, has body stocking. She's gotta be yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? There's a mirror up above too. That's interesting. Oh, and that one is there? Yeah, there's, like, a mirror hanging up at the fireplace, too, which is cool because, like, we'll talk about it later, but they did some great stuff with the Frankenstein movie that, that we found. I noticed that. Yeah, that was one of my favorite. Yeah, the shot they did with the mirror in, in Frank, 1910's Frankenstein. I thought that was I thought that was yeah. pretty incredible, yeah. With, we'll get into that well, later, but. Oh. All right. <laughs> well, let's move on because I think they start – in my opinion, they start getting kind of better after this. Yeah, so there's, uh, let's see, the next one is the Haunted Curiosity Shop. This yeah. is Walter R. Booth, a uh, British guy. Uh, this movie's 1901. And this guy actually worked with Robert Paul, who who sold uh, George Méliès his first, the projector that he reverse engineered into a camera. So there's a little bit of overlap, you know, small community, um, as, as most communities are. Um, but yeah. so go ahead, talk, talk about this one a little bit. Well, it's like old, very Mark Twain-looking man. I guess he's the owner of the curiosity shop. And there's all these like little like knickknacks and things from like other other parts of the world, and, and again, like things are just disappearing and reappearing or floating. Like there's a, a head that is floating in the air, and it suddenly turns into like the upper half of a torso of a woman mm-hmm. who's sitting on you know, like she's one of his curiosities or something like that. Yeah, and lo and behold, like a Roomba. Like a Roomba, her lower half like <laughs> floats into into frame. <laughs> he, he goes to grab the lower half, and it, and you know what it turns into? It turns into like a house servant. Oh yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's some blackface going on. It turns into black. It's terribly racist, and uh, <laughs> and it, it all goes into the into the closet. This like magical closet. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's really weird. It is it's, it is strange. Yeah, he he puts the black woman into a closet, and then every time he opens it, I think she turns into a ghost at first, and then a mummy, and then a skeleton, and then a knight in armor. <laughs> like every, yeah, they it keeps like changing what it is. Yeah, and just like the cauldron in the first video, like, and that's something that they used a lot was like a prop that would like hide someone like crawling over because then like a bunch of like kids pop out yeah wearing these like elvish like costumes and they have like full beards and the children it's funny <laughs> and they're running around yeah it's good it's, yeah it's all right little pieces but it's pretty good yeah yeah some racism <laughs> there for sure but yeah interesting little yeah. film <laughs> absolutely okay so then this next one this brings us back to Melies. And uh, okay. and this is the damnation of Faust. Is this the one you said that that you really enjoyed as far as the Faust movies go? I think it's my favorite. Yeah, it's it's my favorite. Okay, nice. You gonna talk about it a little oh, bit? Like, oh, my favorite. This one was pretty good. 
the sets are so cool and they show so much depth. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like it just goes on forever, you know. Um, so it begins like you're, you're, it's like outside, but like in like a sort of like a canyon kind of thing. And they enter a cave and they're going down. And that's the cool part about it. it it's very like um, Dante's Inferno ish kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Like you go going down and down. And like when, and like I think the main action happens, they've gone way down into this cave and there's all this like these demons they're fighting. And you know what happens? They go further down. Like it's weird. Like everything leading up to that like kind of big fight, they're at a slant. And then there's like this like main battle. And then what happens is then they like get on a rope and they just go straight down, like vertical. And it, it was like so fascinating. It was like it, it just gave me a feeling of of like fright. Yeah, it's kind of cool. <laughs> well, and then at one point, I like there's a bunch of ballerinas that come out and dance as well, yeah. like a, a bunch yeah. of ballerinas. And then there's this. I, I, at one point, I remember there being like these ghosts in a waterfall, and then it turns into this big, goofy-looking tentacle monster. It's like this real creepy-looking monster with all these tentacles coming out. I thought it was pretty cool. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. And, and using what are they doing there? They're using water. Are they able to like project an image on water, or is that like puppet behind the waterfall? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I think that's uh, a technique called double exposure, where they would run. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Brent's showing me the. Oh yeah, that's better than I remember it. This you got you guys got to watch out. You got to check this one out. The damnation of Faust, just for this tentacle monster. Um, but I think what they're doing there is a technique called double exposure, where they film one thing on the film and then they take the film back and they film a second image right on top of it and uh, which well, gives which gives it kind of like a ghostly uh kind of see-through characteristic so sure oh that makes sense it, it's so easy but looks so cool yeah yeah and especially Melies like used that stuff to great effect you know um, a lot of the stuff he, a lot of the effects he was able to do. And I think you're right after this, like 1901, 1903 era, they were kind of done. They were like, okay, we got all this like kind of spectacle, these like not cheap gimmicks, but like these gimmicks out of the way. And they're like, okay, how can we make this shit look really cool? You know? Yeah. Ooh, can I, wait, can I give them more credit? Maybe change a word from what you said? Yeah. These are like exercises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's like tutorials of like what to do, and then like other people. That's why like people were like stealing shit. It was like, oh, I, I, I want to make that movie to see like to get the feel for like how to make that, and then build off of that. I hope. I'm sure there was a lot of like smarmy like stealing, like you said <laughs> earlier. Yeah, I think you in and in, in any industry where it, like takes some money to do, I'm sure you have that like the artistic types, you know, more concerned about that clashing up against the, the moneymaker types, you know, you'll always have that. Yeah. But yeah. Like, can I give you an example of a couple movies I've seen? Yeah. Just two movies. I recently watched, um, the abyss. You ever, you ever seen that? Oh movie? dude, I, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but it was, on, it was on HBO all the time when I was a kid. And yeah. I, I love that movie. Yeah. Special place in my, in my heart for that movie. Yeah. It is the same movie as Armageddon. <laughs> okay. I'm not even cheating. You'd watch them. Like, so the premise of those, is it okay? Am I allowed to like talk yeah, about other movies? Absolutely. Other? Yeah. So in the abyss, um, there's like a, a ragtag crew of like miners uh-huh. under the ocean. Okay. 
a nuclear submarine um, goes off course and like smashes into this, these rocks, it, and it's got like it, it's got all the terribleness of nuclear disaster inside of it. Mm-hmm. And so Marines go down into the uh, sub where with the um, so they go to the the, the the drilling station with the ragtag group of people, right? And the Marines now kind of take over their whole situation, much like in Armageddon. There's there's the oil drillers led by Bruce Willis, and then they get they have like astronauts or NASA people, but those NASA people are very like Marine or SEAL Team Six ish, you know, as well. Okay. And also they have a nuclear weapon <laughs> in Armageddon. Right to to shoot into the uh, to shoot into the asteroid or whatever. Yeah, and so like what happens is one of these SEAL people take a nuclear weapon from no. They're gonna blow up the. They're gonna blow up the sub, the nuclear sub, because the Russians could take it or something like some shit like that. Okay. And so, and so then it's like this whole thing, like, why did you bring a bomb on the on our a substation, you know? <laughs> and they go crazy. Anyway, it's the exact same movie. It's so weird. Huh. Now I'll have to, man. Okay, I'll have to keep that in mind next time. I, I should watch The Abyss again because it's been a, a long time. Right. I remember loving Ed Harris is in that, right? Isn't he in that? Yeah, I think it's on, I think I watched it on Prime. Okay, nice. And then there's that like cool special effect of that water face, right? Like going through. Yeah, and that that was actually a precursor to Terminator Two. Oh, that makes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the T one thousand. And then, do you remember like? Because uh, that was James Cameron too, wasn't that all James Cameron? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And Armageddon was um, who's the uh, what's the guy's name? Does all the disaster. Oh, Michael movies. Bay. Didn't he do Michael that? Michael Bay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and so do you remember like the rat that they drown? They basically drown it to show you the liquid that Ed Harris has to inhale so that he can go into the deep, deep. Yeah, deep. I do remember that. Yeah, that's real. That's re- they really drowned a rat. No, the liquid is real. That has the oxygen inside of it. Oh, really? That's like an actual thing. And they got in some deep shit because they show the rat drowning. Whoa. Okay. It doesn't drown just like it starts to inhale this liquid and live within the liquid huh i know so that's like a real technology that exists is like liquid you can breathe no that existed yes it is huh apparently it is that's wild yeah Yeah. i feel like i was gonna say something else but you totally just like threw off my whole shit (laughs) no 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 that's what that's awesome that's awesome (laughs) damn (laughs) so can you imagine these old old directors like watching a movie from today oh uh, yeah I'm, I'm sure it would just be insane yeah that i yeah that'd be a cool thing to to just like be able to go back and show them like this is what we're doing a hundred years later and that's crazy to think about too is that this shit like the movies we're watching are literally like 125 years old some of them you know i like to think if you gave them like a computer of t- from today's times that they would still just sort of like have things disappear and reappear, but in like a little more of an extravagant way. <laughs> they would just use C- CGI to do the same stuff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's jump ahead a few years to the next one. Um, and these this is where movies start getting a little, a little bit longer. This is the Merry Frolics of Satan. Um, okay. Another one by George Méliès. Uh, 1906. We're up to now, and this one is 17 minutes long. Um, also known as the 400 tricks of the devil. 
Um, but yeah, I just remember uh, thinking like how the these how elaborate the sets were. Um, and so basically, we follow a guy. Um, so who? Oh, so there's this guy, William Crackford, and his servant named John. Which again, I think maybe a, a guy in blackface, most likely. Um, okay. But a messenger comes to them and takes him to this wizard known as Alco Frisbus, uh, and he get he gives them wish granting pills. And so William, uh, he wants to take a trip around the world. And as soon as he gets the pills and leave, uh, leaves. Uh, and I feel like this reminded me so much of WandaVision. Did you watch that TV show? Yeah, I did. Uh, because on, online, everybody was like, oh, I bet this character's Mephistopheles. I bet that character's going to be Mephistopheles. Everybody thought the big reveal was that somebody was going to be Mephistopheles. And watching the Merry Frolics of Satan, I thought it was so funny because as soon as the main character leaves, Alco Frisbus turns into Mephistopheles. He's just like, ah, ha, ha, and his, like, seven deadly sins little imps run out. Um, but so, so yeah, so William and John, they go, they get these pills uh, from Mephistopheles. He goes back to dinner with his family, uses a pill to, like, summon a, a wish, I guess. Um, yeah. And then, so a box appears, and these servants pop out of the box, and they keep pulling out boxes, and more servants out of these boxes. And it's yeah. like an endless series of servants coming out of boxes and then going back in and another box full of servants. Um, and then all of these boxes turn into a train. They load up the furniture and the guy's family, shove them all in a train. Uh, yeah. So they drive away. As they go through town, they're waving goodbye because they're going on this trip around the world. <laughs> Immediately... The, the the train starts to go over a bridge. The bridge collapses, and the guy loses his entire family. So oh my God, his right. whole family falls off this bridge. So it's just this guy and his servant John now. Um, he doesn't seem he doesn't seem to mind too much. They continue the journey. They go to a restaurant where the restaurant owner is again Mephistopheles. Um, they're not able to eat uh, because demons ransack the place again. Uh, there's lots of parkour I wrote down because the demons are just like d jumping all over everything. Um, yeah. And then he straps them in a buggy with a skeletal horse and the guy whips it until, I don't, do you remember this part where this like skeletal horse like just turns upside down and it's in the, in front of the buggy. He just like whips it so hard. It just like turns upside down with its feet sticking up in the air. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, so they whip the shit out of this skeleton horse, and then they ride the carriage into a volcano. They fly through the sky, and at one point, they make a point to have the horse fart in John's face. There's like a little poof of dust into, into servant John's face from the horse's ass. Um, the carriage falls out of the sky. They fall into dinner with his family, uh, but before he can eat, Mephistopheles once again pops out of the table and roasts him on a spit in hell so he's again he another kind of faustian uh, you know he made a deal with the devil he keeps just trying to yeah. eat dinner with the family but because of his hubris and and his deal with the devil he ends up roasting on a spit in hell what'd you think about this one there's a lot going on here i agree with you in the sense and then when the horse does like spin around it looks so weird and <laughs> it's just like its neck is broken or something but yeah it's a good story man it's funny because <laughs> it's like anyway the, the the train though that that initial train i still don't know how it worked 
because it looked like it was like a pretty cool piece of carpentry, or you know, yeah. The the because it turned from like a like boxes to just suddenly it was a train and there was no cutaway it was like it 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 was like a legit like I don't know like work that someone made yeah I, I, yeah I have to think that was a bit of like practical stage magic like where they actually built those boxes that could turn into train cars and yeah I think that was his his theater experience coming out in building some of those practical props um, but yeah those yeah. they those did look pretty cool yeah absolutely. Yeah, this is good. Okay, cool. Let's let's uh, jump on. We've got so many movies to go through here. Um, yeah. So the next one, oh, this was one of my favorites. Uh, again, this is Melies in 1906, uh, but this is The Witch. Okay. D- did you have any thoughts about this one, or you want to kind of explain this one real quick? I think I saw it, but I can't remember. Well, you go so, ahead. Yeah, so this is a, this is a, a troubadour. A poor troubadour goes to a, a witch, who apparently this is a, a, a well-known witch, I guess, in maybe French folklore uh but by the name of carabousse and so she tells him uh this troubadour named lothane that he has to save a damsel in distress and uh she'll give him a magic charm but she asks a high price for it it's going to cost him a lot of money um okay so he's poor he doesn't have any money so he gives her a bag of sand and runs the fuck off he's she gives him i think it's a four-leaf clover he gives her a bag of sand and then he just runs off. Um, and I thought what was interesting about this movie was this was commissioned by Méliès by a department store, a French department store called uh, Grand Magasins du Fayel. Uh, and their, their idea was to play this for kids in, this, in whatever area of the store while the parents were shopping. So that's why he made this movie. It was, it was a commission from this department store. Um. But so this this old witch, uh, she enchants a sword, immediately leaves it behind. Uh, he's supposed to be running away from her, but he just waits outside of her castle and starts smacking her in the face with rocks. Yeah, he throws a bunch of rocks at her. Uh, he runs through a cemetery and defeats some ghosts. Oh, and then this was my favorite part. So when he gets to the castle where the damsel is... Um, a toad, this giant toad, and I think these were practical effects as well. This giant toad jumps at him, and he starts kicking this toad right in the face. Um, and then this fucking wild-looking golden owl appears, and it's flapping its wings, and it like it just looks really insane. And then the best part is this dragon comes up, and so there are these like yeah. weird creatures, and it's in color. And I think at the time, especially, a lot of these were um, hand-painted frame by frame so like each individual oh, wow. image would have been hand painted um and it, it just it, it looks like up fire it doesn't even look like it's, it's breathing fire it's like bleh. <laughs> it, just, yeah, it just looks like its head is on fire uh <laughs> but so i thought it so looked pretty i thought it looked pretty cool what's that so many people died filming this scene <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> have the standards and practices <laughs> But so then, uh, so he, he frees the damsel and then a druid appears. I like this part. A druid appears with like a, a, yeah. a, a sickle in his hand and he basically yeah. helps them win the day and marries them at the end of this movie. A lot, a lot of these are about vanquishing the evil and then getting married. That's kind of the, the, the narrative here. Yeah. So nice. The girl. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's very, it looks like a Monty Python, um, 
like cutscene or something like that. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. And I feel like I read that uh, maybe Terry Gilliam was inspired by Melies and a lot of this stuff too. I, I feel like I read that somewhere. Yeah, you could definitely see that. Yeah. See that influence there. Um, yeah, cool. So, I don't know how I did how I missed this one. I think I don't think I watched. I think I just because there was like a long list of them. I think I I might have glossed skipped track over of this space. one. Yeah. No, no worries, no worries. Yeah, well, we've like I said, there's 15 movies. I had to do it in two because these movies total it's only like 120, 130 minutes, so it's only like a two hour block of time. But yeah. having to go like click through all of them and for you know because I was I was like researching and reading at the same time and kind of digesting them. Um, so it took, I, I did it in like two sections over two nights. I like watched half of them and then watched the other half. Um, but, uh, but so this next one, uh, so I, th I think this is interesting. This is, uh, a movie. I had it down as Satan at play, but apparently these two movies are confused a lot. Um, I think that what we watched is actually the red specter or, uh, Le Specter Rouge, um, but okay. this this is by a guy named uh, Segundo de Chamon. Uh, Chamon. He's a Spanish guy. He worked with a guy named Charles Pathé uh, to compete with Méliès. Um, and the funny thing is, so you know Méliès did A Trip to the Moon in 1902? These guys kind of to compete with that did a movie called Excursion to the Moon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was like, it was the first like... Uh, what are some of the modern movies like Armageddon and uh, there was another asteroid Deep movie Impact. that came out. Deep Impact. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those. It was like we're yeah. basically the same movie just with a different name. Yeah, um, that's good. But so these guys, so Pathé, this, actually this film uh, studio, Pathé Ferrez, is still going. It's the second oldest operating film company still releasing and distributing movies. Um these guys, uh, they acquired the patents from the Lumiere brothers when they did decide to sell them, uh, sell their equipment. Uh, they dominated Europe's market at the time, and at one point, 60% of films uh, were filmed on Pathé equipment. Oh, and this is the guy, Brent. Um, so this, this director, uh, he built a dolly for what is probably the first ever dolly shot in a movie where the camera is moving along rails. Um in an Italian movie called uh, Kabira, Kibiria, I guess, is a 1914 movie. So that's yeah. just all kind of shit okay. I, I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, they did pretty cool mirror mirror um, stuff too. Like it almost like this seems a lot like what you're talking about, like magician stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and this might be the one where I think you were talking about how it had music that sounded a little more modern. It struck me yeah. as kind of it sounds kind of like Texas blues. Uh, like maybe you'd hear in a Robert Rodriguez movie, like from Dust Till Dawn or something. Um, yeah. And I, I looked it up. It was actually a guy named Angelo Badalamiente, Badal, Badal uh, which he did a lot of stuff with David Lynch. And this song is actually called The Pink Room. It was for, he wrote the song for Twin Peaks. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. That's where the song comes from? Okay. Yeah, so I, I thought, and it's a pretty badass song, uh, the, the Pink Room. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. It just, it just, it looks like, it's like psychedelic, man. That's like what, that's me the way I thought of, even though it's from so long ago. Yeah. It's so something, like a student film from the 60s, man. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, and so this is a lot of the same stuff. It's a, it's some kind of de devil or demon, kind of looks like a skeleton. And he's just kind of yeah. doing the same thing, like skipping around, creating mischief. He, 
He pulls women from Cauldron. Again, a common trope of the time. Uh, he rolls them in... It looks like trash bags. He basically rolls them into big fat doobies, levitates them into the air, and then they catch on fire and like burn. So he's just like having fun torturing people. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. It's wild. Man. So yeah, what else? Oh, the, oh yeah, this was a lot of yeah where they were projecting. It was almost like he was creating a television. I I almost thought this was like the, an early version oh. of a TV. Like this, because yeah. the devil was like projecting images on these boxes he was stacking. Um, and you can tell that the film is done in reverse because he's like catching boxes out of nowhere and stacking them up. And then he projects an image on it and he's like watching these images almost like he's like sitting there watching television, which I thought was really interesting yeah. for, for 1907. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I, they just, he just was like watching Modern Family. Right. <laughs> Yeah, something from much later. You're like, wait a goddamn minute. Uh, yeah. So this movie, uh, Le Spectre Rouge, definitely worth a watch. I feel like it's it 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 has some really interesting shit going on in it. Yeah, it's just like it's a quick ten minutes, man. It's it's yeah, it's good. Yeah. So all right, what do we got next? Uh, so the next movie is actually the same guy, uh, Segundo de Chamon. Uh, this is a movie called The House of Ghosts. And apparently this movie specifically inspired uh, the director Jennifer Kent so much so that she featured this movie. You can see this movie in The Babadook. I guess, I guess somebody's watching TV at oh, some yeah? point. Yeah, somebody's watching TV and this this is the movie that's playing on that TV. So, um, yeah, so any – do you want to describe this movie? Do you remember this one very well? I like descriptions. I want to comment off it. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, okay. Yes, I remember this now. Um, sorry, they, they start to be, they run together. There's so many that we had to watch. I know, and and a lot of them are so similar, like plot wise and everything. Yeah, they do run together. Yeah, yeah so it, it's it's the house of ghosts. It seems like these people, and sorry, uh, correct me if my plot is wrong, but it seems like they're like house guests in like a haunted house, basically. Basically, and, I, I think they're kind of lost in the woods, and they like run into this, whether it's an abandoned house or a random house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so it's just basically they get into the house and the haunt fucks with them, you know? It just, there's all this, like, crazy stuff that happens, and they do this amazing thing with this, like, witch-looking lady in the in the window. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's, it's a painting, and the painting suddenly turns into, like, a lady in the window, kind of like the, um, like that, like, close-up that I was wanting. Yeah. It was a kind of like version of it. Like, it suddenly, it appears, but it's very frightening. It's, yeah. like, legitimately scary. And... What I, and, and so like just like a mayhem ensues and it's 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 um it's things appearing that are ghosts and then like them trying to like sit in chairs but the chairs disappear you know that same kind of stuff and then like it almost like it's almost like the movie switched oh also there's like ghosts like on strings mm-hmm. like floating around and then like halfway through or so yeah halfway through it becomes like a claymation movie Oh, there is some stop motion, yeah, with the dinner. Is that right? Yeah, and with, it seemed as though like it was like it, it like exchanged hands with with a different artist. Yeah, but and I, and I thought it was, seemed really out of place until until it cut back to the people. Like, it, and when it stopped being um, stop motion, it made sense because yeah. they're like eating this toast and stuff that like there's a sausage and the sausage has like cut itself. Right. Yeah. With like a knife. Yeah. And it, it's really weird. Like, all the, the place settings work 
fork together to like clear the crumbs off the table, like the napkin unfurls yeah. and wipes off the crumbs. And then you cut back to the people like, oh, 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 toast. And then they're like, they're like, they seem not, they seem okay with it. <laughs> right. Which, yeah, if, if my food started like cutting itself and cleaning itself up, I wouldn't just sit there and eat it. I'd be like, what the fuck? You know, this shit is haunted. I'm not, I'm not eating this blood sausage that just cut itself, you know? Yeah, I know. If like my Instapot suddenly was like, would you like roast beef? <laughs> and it began to create roast beef. Right. The answer, the answer is no. You know, if, it, <laughs> if an Instapot asks you if you want dinner, you say no. Thank you. You know, because it cooked it in its mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Gross. Disgusting. Gross. <laughs> but no, but yeah, you actually mentioned something that reminded me. I want to talk about uh, with this and the last movie too, because it's the same okay. guy, Segundo de uh, Chamon. But yeah, those close-up shots, because he gets a really good close-up of the creature in this one. Um, and in the last movie, The Red Spectre, there's a really interesting shot where the guy comes right up to the camera, and he has these like glass, these jugs of milk, jars of milk, and he turns yeah. around, and there are women in the jars of milk, right? And it's like an extreme close-up to the camera. Um, so that was a pretty technique I hadn't seen in any of the movies before then. And I think it's also worth noting that movie, the, the red specter, there's another, I don't, it's not a demon, but there's another, uh, thing creature that is basically showing up to fuck with this guy, this devil who's torturing these women and like rolling them into doobies and lighting them on fire. Um, and by the end of the movie, actually she defeats him and like frees all of these, captive maidens that he's been torturing so i thought that was pretty uh an, an interesting narrative choice for the time as well so yeah oh i was gonna ask you about this maybe you, when you i was hoping maybe in your research you, you figured it out or but there's this part where like the house seems to be tilting from left to right yeah and either they're moving the bed because they're sitting on a bed and it looks like the house is tilting and the bed is 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 like sliding to the left and the right of the room. Mm-hmm. Is the stage tilted or are they moving the bed somehow with ropes? And if they are, if you watch again, that's some of the best mime work I've ever seen. Yeah. To make it look like they okay. What do you what no, do you know? I don't know. That's act, I wondered the same thing. I wondered how they did that. That was not something I had a chance to look up. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. And I, I don't know how they did that. If they were tilting the camera or if that's all like kind of practical and they were tilting the set, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure how they got that shot, but, but yeah, it was pretty impressive. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. It looked like, like, I, I kind of hope that they were miming that because it looked, it looked like the house was tilted so much because they, the way that the actors, like rolled out of the bed and then like rolled to the floor. It was weird. Yeah. It was, it was cool. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Very well done. I thought, um, but, uh, but yeah, cool. Um, so let's jump to the, the next movie. And now we're starting to get into some like really kind of cinematic movies that look less like theater and stage sets and some actual, like, uh, that uh, at least to me, it looked like kind of more realistic settings. I, I feel like, um, but so this is Frankenstein. I know you told me you were just watching this one before the podcast. Um, yeah. But this is 1910, uh, directed by a guy named Jay Searle Dolly. Um, and he was working for the Edison Company again. Uh, he was hired by Edwin S. Porter, who he directed one we talked about earlier. What was that one? Um, 
oh, uh, Faust and Marguerite in 1900. Um, so, and this guy considered himself uh, the first true motion picture director because he wasn't just like a filmmaker who was doing it all. He was actually hired by the Edison company to just step in and direct this production, you know, so that he considers himself the first motion picture director. And I guess he, there's some merit in his claim to that, if that makes sense. Sure. This is definitely, it's, it's, it's a good story to follow, mm. but I mean, when you think about it, they're following the book, which yeah, Kara, Kara teaches AP lit uh-huh. and she teaches Frankenstein sometimes. Oh, nice. And she taught, so she, and so I've not read the book, but we've talked about it at length, and it's it's so funny because like our like I, don't, I forget when Frankenstein was made, like the one that we're all familiar with, like the movie. It's alive, alive. Oh well, the, yeah. There's a version I think that's sometime 1920s, uh, maybe so, 1930s. Yeah. And so what's funny, what Kara was saying was telling me was that it's interesting how like in that movie. For, um, Dr. Frankenstein is like, it's alive! And he's like proud of his creation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's amazing! But she says like in the book, like even this movie follows the story like very well. Um, um, in the book, Frankenstein creates his monster and then looks at it and then like runs away like <laughs> screaming. Like, ah! Yeah. Like and he runs to his bedroom and he gets under his covers and he hides himself under his covers like, like a... Like a like a cartoon. Like a child, yeah. <laughs> child, yeah, exactly right. And then the, the monster, like, is like, <clears throat> and, like, comes up. And in the book, the monster's, like, super articulate. Okay. Like, in the book, he's like, why did you make me? Will you make me a woman? <laughs> you know, like, it's pretty close. Like, pretty soon after he's made, he's like, you have a lady. I would like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it's been a long time since I've read the book, but I... More recently, I've watched uh, Kenneth Branagh's version, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which was made in like, I don't, I want to say like 1992, 1994, somewhere in there. Um, but it follows the book pretty closely. Um, that movie does. And so, and there are a lot of parallels with this movie, uh, this 1910 version, but they cut out a lot of the extraneous stuff. Like in, in the book and in Branagh's version, it, it starts off, the movie starts and ends with an Arctic expedition, right? And Frankenstein is like chasing his monster through the Arctic. Um, yeah. And then, and this version cuts out a lot of stuff where like, um, you know, Frankenstein's brother is killed and, and Justine is uh, one of their friends is blamed for it. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that's cut out, but it does keep the bare bones. Like he creates this monster. The monster comes back after him and ends up like, um, well, and this was the interesting thing with the mirror was that at the end of this movie, because in the Frankenstein movie, and I believe in the book too, it ends in a tragedy. He tears Elizabeth's heart out um, and then they end up chasing each other through the Arctic. But I thought it was an interesting decision in this one. There's a cool shot where the camera is looking at this room and like the left side of the room is kind of the scene we're watching, but on the right side of the frame there's a mirror and so you'll watch the, ca- the characters do something in frame and then they'll step out of the frame to the left but then you can see what they're doing in the mirror and i think that's the shot you were referencing earlier which is a, just a cool ass fucking shot but 
you only know that he's coming to the room because he's in the mirror. And the mirror, by the way, is like seven feet tall. Yeah. It's this gigantic mirror. Like seven feet by like five, four or five feet, I would say. So it gives you, gives you a great view of what's going on behind the camera, you know, technically behind the camera. Yeah. But um, it's fantastic. And then, of course, Dr. Frankenstein sees the monster in the mirror. Um, but if I could go back, I thought it was interesting, the creation of the monster. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this was really funny. Yeah, go ahead. They, yeah, it, what they did was they took something that looked monster-ish and they burned it. Uh-huh. And then what it looked like is they played that backwards. So what you see first is like a pile. It looks like, do you ever get like the jiffy pop you put on the stove? And like, <laughs> right. It's like that. that that tinfoil like rises up. It looks like that at first, uh-huh. but it's because this it's been playing backwards, and then like it slowly like forms itself into a, into the monster. But it almost seems as though they were like really impressed with themselves <laughs> that they thought of that because it's like a really long scene. It's where, really like, long, and it's it, like and, constructing. Right. Well, it's this, and it's this Frankenstein puppet. Yeah, and instead of it being like a, some dead bodies he sews together and brings to life, it like forms out of nothing. And for a while, it's just this, like, puppet with these little stick arms. And it's obviously just this puppet, like, <laughs> you know, and until it forms into this grotesque creature. Uh, yeah. yeah some interesting choices made there, for sure. There's, like, shots of, like, that's happening. It's creating itself. And then, like, it's creating itself in this wardrobe or something. Yeah, yeah. And he's, like, got this little, like, peephole, like... He's like this, like sexual pervert, like right. looking, like peeping into Narnia, right? Like, <laughs> right, <laughs> peeping into Frankenstein, the, the monster's asshole. Or yeah. it's just like it just doesn't make. I don't know. It's weird. It's very like, All right, even older school theater than this, right? Anyway, it's still good. I mean, that's, I still think it's a great shot to play it backwards. That was probably like a cool idea at the time. Yeah. Well, and I like the ending of this movie where he, so like Frankenstein is like basically dejected. He tries to break up their wedding night, but he fails. And instead of like killing everybody and going wild, he kind of goes back to that room with the mirror and then he wanders into the mirror and enters it. And so Dr. Frankenstein comes in the room and like Frank, the monster is in the mirror and he goes to look in the mirror and then the monster disappears and is gone. And I, I almost wonder, like, what the idea behind that, what the symbolism was. Like, I, I mean, obviously, like, a guy looking into the mirror and seeing a monster, that's some pretty, like, not super subtle symbolism, they right? <laughs> right, that he is the monster, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's good, Corey. Uh, that must, I hope yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Good special effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a good movie to check out. Especially, yeah, that shot with the mirror was pretty cool. So we're, we're down. We're entering. Sorry, we're entering into zones where I've not seen these movies. Okay, yeah. So Brent didn't have a chance to check out these last few movies. So I'll just kind of go ahead and describe them. Uh, come up, tell, mention some interesting things, and maybe you can mention how you would have changed them, what you would have done differently, or what you just what you think about them. Um, and two of sure. them, two of them are different versions of the same movie, which is a story we're all familiar with. So, yeah. Uh, so this first one is Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, nineteen twelve by a guy named Lucius Henderson. Uh, he's an American guy working for the Thanhauser Company. And apparently this takes more from the stage play of Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Mr. Hyde, than it does the novel. 
Um, so this guy, yeah, he transforms into you. You everybody knows the story, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Um, he transforms into into Mister Hyde, and he transforms back. Um, he gets engaged. He keeps changing into into his evil self against his will, and he's just kind of. I think it's the same actor who's just like crouched down with fangs and claws. Um, and it's really funny to see him p- portrayed as evil because he just like tears up some paper. Uh, at one point, he just like pushes down a little girl in the alley, um, and then finally he does he does kill his fiance's dad. He kills the minister. He says he's not gonna. He, he doesn't have any more potion to turn himself back. He's gonna be Mister Hyde forever. And then he ends up taking poison and killing himself. They find him dead, and that's basically that's the whole twelve minute movie. That's that's all that happens. So, and I have to think I haven't read a whole lot about Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Maybe it's because I've been reading a lot of Stephen King and a lot about Stephen King and like every single one of his stories is about addiction in one way or the other. But I have to think that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a pretty thinly veiled story about addiction. I mean, you take this for no real reason. You like you take this magical potion to let your evil self out and then you go and do all these evil things and then you transform back into yourself and you're like, Oh man, I fucked up. Like I did all this. I did. I pushed down a little girl last night. I killed this minister. Like, fuck, dude, that was a rough night. You know, like that's basically. I don't. Seems like what the story is. Yeah, I I would like it instead. He's like instead of like a potion or whatever, just like smeared off ices. (laughs) Right. Yeah. He just pounds like seven of those. And then he goes and tears some paper. Like, that makes sense. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I, I feel like I can relate to that. Like, I've had a night or two like that, probably. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, like, just tearing up old wedding photos or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Because I'm just... I'm, the way I'm taking is that he's doing something very sad instead because it's just about an alcoholic. Right, yeah. really... <laughs> right yeah just very very thinly veiled um but so this next one uh you'll have to check this is out this one out this was the uh, the last movie we're talking about about uh from Melies. this is 1912 so this is later in his career it's called the night of snow or night of snows i'm not sure i i saw it both ways um but it's basically about this guy who's going to marry a princess there's a challenger who also wants to marry the princess. They have a sword fight. Um, and the interesting thing about this is, again, in the Faustian tradition, they go to the devil. They make a deal. Um, and so the the antagonist of the story, the challenger who also wants to marry the princess, the like he's a big stocky guy. And he really might, reminds me of Captain Lou Albano from, from the Mario Brothers TV show, <laughs> Mario Mario. You know who I'm talking about? Like, I he, saw the show, but I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, lame. He's the guy that played Mario. He's a former pro wrestler turned into an actor. Oh, that's his name? Oh, yeah, it's I Captain Lou guy. Albano, yeah. But okay. so, because he's like a, a big bulky guy and his like, yeah. his mannerisms, like his gestures are all exaggerated. And I was yeah. like, damn, that hey, really, what's that? To the Super Mario Brothers Super <laughs> Show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, and it's the same wizard so they both go to this wizard to help them in their quest. And like, it's the same guy from that earlier Melies movie, actually. Uh, the wizard Alco Frisbus, for anybody who's been paying attention uh, for the whole episode. What's that? There will be a quiz at the end. There will be a quiz at the end. Uh, but so yeah, Melies brings the same wizard back. 
And for the, the antagonist, he brings forth the devil. So basically he makes a deal with the devil. Um, and then the good guy goes, uh, the hero of the story goes, and instead of a devil, Alco Frisbus brings forth, uh, gives him a magic rose to help fight for the princess. Um, and that's, that's basically the story. They fight over the princess, and then at the end, the challenger... Uh, you know, Lou Albano, Mario, Mario loses and he's sucked, <laughs> he's sucked down to hell to pay his end of the bargain that he made with the devil. Like a, he's dressed like as a centurion, centurion. Is that what you call it? Yeah. 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 I can see. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So, so that's basically the night of the snows, the snow. And it's, uh, you know, interesting to see how, how Melies is like, everything again, looks a little clearer and it looks a little more realistic than than kind of the fantastical map paintings and stuff he was doing earlier in his career um so yeah i thought it was pretty interesting um so this last movie we're going to talk about is a 1913 version so it's just the next year uh again dr jekyll and mr hyde made by a different company a company called imp which was the precursor to universal so this the company that made this actually ended up becoming universal studios okay um, but so this was made by a guy named Herbert Brennan. And the interesting thing about this, the, the, what interested me the most was it's starring a guy named, uh, King Baggett and he, he check out his in titles. What's that? In a dual role. In a dual role as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, and he was generally considered like, because I guess before actors would, uh, would work on movies anonymously and I think a lot of them almost thought of it as shameful, like they were theater actors and doing movies was like lesser for them. Um, oh, it's like the actors doing like a sitcom? Yeah, like TV, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so I read that uh, Melier's uh, mistress, whatever her name was, jo, Johan, Joanne, whatever her name was, um, I guess she was like one of the first actors ever to trans, to like fully go from being a stage actor to a film actor and that was like primarily what what she did um but so this guy king baggett was like the first guy who was like an actual movie star like people knew who he was people went to movies to see him and here are a list of his titles i think this is kind of funny um so he was known as king baggett king of the movies okay uh, also known as the most photographed man in the world right pretty good (laughs) also known as the man whose face is as familiar as the man in the moon. <laughs> That's another nickname he has. So, okay. kind of reminds me of uh, of Game of Thrones, like uh, Daenerys Targaryen or whatever is like Queen Mother of Dragons, for last of the what you know whatever her name was. Um, Did he name himself those things? No, I think it was like media at the time, like tabloids and newspapers, like called him that. Okay. Maybe he did. I don't know. Um, but an, an interesting thing about him was, so his name was William King Baggett, right? Yeah. So he has a son named Robert King Baggett, um, who was a cameraman and he actually died in Hawaii filming a movie for Disney, a movie called Lieutenant Robin Crusoe. So, so his son died while filming that movie. Um, but so Robert King Baggett had, he had a son. So this is the, the, the original William King Baggett. His grandson uh, is named Stephen King Baggett, which I thought was very interesting with the horror theme of the show. I'm a big Stephen King fan, obviously. Um, 
But so this guy was a cinematographer, still in the movie business, and he was working at, as a journalist, and he did a lot of movies you'd recognize. He was a cinematographer for a, a Cheech and Chong movie. Um, and then in 1984 alone, he did The Last Starfighter, uh, that George Burns movie, Oh God, You Devil, um, and also Revenge of oh. the Nerds. He was a cinematographer on all those movies. Oh, cool. Um, That's cool. Yeah, but another thing I thought was interesting, he was working as a journalist, I think, uh, when Sharon Tate was murdered by Charles Manson and the Manson family. Um, and he was, he, he had to testify cause he found some bloody clothes like on or around the property. Um, so he was like involved in the trial. So anyway, I just thought that was some information, uh, interesting information about the, the Baggett Hollywood family, you know? Yeah. It's, it's wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so this one, uh, again, say basic story of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He's supposed to go to an opera with his fiance. He must attend his charity patients. That's his That's his excuse. He's always like, I can't hang out. I can't come see you. I'm attending my charity patients. Um, okay. So, of course, what he's really doing is transforming transforming himself into Mr. Hyde. And I like when he turns himself. Uh, and they're always like, it's always real clear. Like one of the, the frames, you know, because they have the words up and it says, in the yeah. dead silence of night, uh, he plans to set free his evil self. So that's like his whole plan is to like just let his evil self free, I guess. Um, oh, man. But he gives he leaves a note for Mister Hyde, so he like transforms himself into this like little demon creature, and the de- and Mister Hyde takes a note to his servant, and it just says, "This is Mister Hyde. He's my best friend. Treat him as you would treat me." Signed, Doctor Jekyll. <laughs> so like, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, friends with his alter ego kind of is that what you're saying yeah he like so he the the cover story is that mr hyde is just like a dear friend of his who's staying at his house but of course nobody ever sees them at the same time (laughs) oh wow man i never thought of this to be about substance abuse that's so wild right yeah that's i i feel like that's what's that I, I just never thought about it. It makes total sense. Yeah, and I want. I and I don't actually know if I've ever read the book. I think it was. Um, oh, I feel like it's Robert Lewis, Lewis Stevenson, but I might let me look that up because I don't want to be wrong about it. Okay. Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Yeah, Robert Lewis Stevenson. Yeah. So, I, but I feel like it's got to be about substance abuse. Um, yeah. But so he, uh, the evil man, oh, there's, oh man, this is, there's one point in the movie where there's a, a title card that says the evil man had, cause he goes out and like rents himself a room in the city. Mr. Hyde does. So he's got like his own apartment he's renting. And like, so the landlord, who's this woman is like real wary of him and like shows him his room and trying to keep her distance. And he's like, and like kind of pinches her ass and like kind of grabs at her and she runs out of the room. Um, <laughs> And then it cuts to a title card that says, The evil man had many adventures by night. And then it just cuts to this poor crippled boy walking down an alley with crutches. And Doc, and Mr. Hyde runs up and like pushes the kid down and just starts beating him. Um, oh so then like a whole crowd runs up and they're like, What the fuck, Mr. Hyde? Like you're beating the shit out of this poor boy. So he agrees to pay for the boy's uh, medical <laughs> He agrees to pay for the boy's medical bills so that, like, one of the guys follows him to Dr. Jekyll's 
house where he like gives the guy some money to pay for this kid's medical bills. Yeah. Um, so basically, he keeps going back and forth. He he says he won't do it again. He keeps transforming into Mister Hyde, um, uh, and so eventually he he ends up dying. He he just collapses from his his substance abuse of this Mister Hyde serum. Um, he just can't stop doing it until he dies. So and that's uh, the story of Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. And we made it through all fifteen movies. Any thoughts about that or or anything we've talked about? Oh man. I don't know. I've, I've, I've loved it. And, um, this is, this has been great. <laughs> it was, it, it feels like I accomplished, we, we accomplished something by sitting through all this and thinking about it yeah. <laughs> and watching these movies. It's so weird. <laughs> We're so weird. You know, this is, this is the beauty of YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I was thinking like, there's just no way anyone in the nineties or very few people had access, let's say just the 1990s, access to these movies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now pretty much anybody, if you have internet access, you can go watch them. Yeah. Um, And just see how people thought about things, what was considered scary. Right. You know, I really want to know like what were, what were like, what were they not allowed to do? Like, were they not allowed to show blood? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think you can kind of see some of that in, like, especially the Frankenstein movie, like, because they didn't show him, like, bringing a dead body back. He wasn't stitching together a dead body. You know, in the book, I think he rips out Elizabeth's heart. You know, Dr. Frankenstein's fiance gets her heart ripped out. And so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that that they obviously didn't go into. But, um, but yeah, I think as a project, this will be a lot of fun. and, and, And we're obviously not movie experts or critics or analysts, but I think this is something that people, a journey people can come along with us on and, and we're going to watch uh, all these horror movies and I think it'll be, you know, you, sure, yeah. you could go look it up and like Google it and look it up and all that, but why not do it along with us and I'll do that for you and people can just like chat about it with us, you know? And if I could give a suggestion to a listener, um, as as one of us are describing at least these YouTube videos, watch it and kind of click through it. It's very easy to click through because Corey, while you were like explaining some of the movies, I was like, that's why I wasn't looking at you. I was like clicking through and listening to you talk. And I could actually like follow along, like, like wizard of Oz and pink Floyd. happening, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Line it up with the lion's roar and all that. Yeah. 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 It was cool. Yeah. Well, and, and and people can, and I'll have all these movie links to all these movies and people can uh, follow the head canon podcast um you know on twitter reddit instagram or facebook you know on facebook we're still um our our old podcast name danger explosion presents headcanon um on twitter you can find us at horror movie pod on reddit is the same thing at horror movie pod oddly enough headcanon was taken but horror movie uh pod was nobody else had a claim on that um also instagram uh at head cannon pod so you can follow us on any of that social media um and yeah we'll keep it and i think this will probably be a longer episode in the future we'll just be talking about one movie we'll have guests it'll be on a weekly basis um so yeah i think it'll be a lot of fun on next week's episode we're going to be checking out 2018's annihilation written and directed by alex garland starring natalie portman oscar isaac jennifer jason lay uh tessa thompson among others So be sure to check that movie out before our episode next Wednesday. Absolutely. So I had a great time. Thanks, man. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, me too. Thanks, man. I'm looking forward to this project. So, so thank you. Thank you, everyone. This has been 
Head cannon. Ah! Oh,